Let's open God's Word this evening to Judges chapter 14. Judges 14, we will read the whole chapter, and the text for this evening's sermon will be verses 5 and 6. Judges 14, this is the inspired and therefore infallible Word of our God. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord, that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid, and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother. And he gave them and they did eat. But he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down unto the woman and Samson made there a feast. For so used the the young men to do. And it came to pass when they saw him that they brought thirty companions to be with him. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. If you can certainly declare it me within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you thirty sheets and thirty change of garments. But if ye cannot declare it me, Then shall ye give me thirty sheets and thirty changes, change of garments. And they said unto him, Put forth thy riddle, that we may hear it. And he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice thy husband that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burn thee and thy father's house with fire. Have ye called us to take that we have? Is it not so? And Samson's wife wept before him and said, Thou dost but hate me and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people and hast not told it me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it my father nor my mother, and shall I tell it thee? 
And she wept before him the seven days while their feast lasted. And it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her, because she lay sore upon him. And she told the riddle to the children of her people. And the men of the city said unto him on the seventh day, Before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto them, If ye had not plowed with my heifer, ye had not found out my riddle. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and went down to Ashkelon and slew thirty men of them and took their spoil and gave change of garments unto them which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion whom he had used as his friend. Thus far we read God's Word. The text for this evening's sermon is verses 5 and 6. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him as he would have rent a kid and he had nothing in his hand but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. Of all of the different characteristics and features of the judge named Samson, arguably the most prominent was his strength. That, no doubt, is what all of the young children think about when they hear the name Samson. He was a mighty man. And we see that all throughout this history in the various Heroic deeds that he performed. In each one of them, what stands out is his great strength. And here in this passage, we have the first display of that strength. For in this text, we see that Samson was empowered not only to withstand an attack of a mighty lion, but to put that lion to death. Rending it as though it was nothing more than a baby goat. That is strength indeed. And because this is our first encounter with Samson's strength, and because this is going to be a theme that runs throughout this series of sermons, we do well to pause here to spend a little bit more time on this passage to have a shorter text so that we can come to a right understanding of Samson's great strength. Because we may not have the misunderstanding that this was a natural strength, that he had this strength in himself, or that it was merely a matter of physical prowess. But instead, we have to see clearly that this was a strength given to him, that the Spirit is the one who empowered him to perform all of his mighty deeds, including this one. But what is more, we want to spend time here examining his strength so that we see clearly 
how He is a type of our Savior. So that we see the might of Jesus Christ, whom the Scriptures call the Most Mighty. The One who is strong to save, to, to, to deliver us from our enemy. But what is still more, we want to spend some time here because of the encouragement this, this passage gives to us. Yes, Samson is a type of Jesus Christ. And we must see our Savior in this history. But He's also a believer. He's an example to us. And therefore, there's encouragement for us that even as the Spirit was given to Samson to perform this mighty deed, so the Spirit is given to us so that we might withstand, so that we might resist that roaring lion, the devil. So with all that in view, let's consider... Judges 14, verses 5 and 6, using as our theme, Samson's strength in rending the lion. First, we'll look at the might of Samson. Second, at the greater than Samson. And then third, the strength for Samson's with an S at the end. Uh, plural, because we are the Samson's in view there. Samson's strength in rending the lion. The might of Samson, the greater than Samson, and the strength for Samson's. When studying this passage, one cannot but wonder, Samson, what were you doing there in those vineyards? And no doubt if he asked, if we put that question to Samson, he would remind us, well, I was on my way to find a wife. Because remember, in the context, he has met a woman from Timnath and he has told his parents, she is the right one. Get her for me to be my wife. His parents were reluctant to do this. They tried to discourage him from marrying a daughter of the Philistines and told him he should look in his own congregation or at least in the denomination, the whole nation of Israel. But Samson insisted, she is the one. Get her for me. And evidently, his parents have relented because in verse 5, we read of the three of them going to Timnath. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath. The three of them are together at least initially. And they are going so that Samson can become betrothed to this woman, to become espoused to this woman. That's what's in view in verse 7 when we will read, and he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And in light of what follows, it's clear that that was them becoming engaged to use the language that we use today. They were espoused to be married. But now our question for Samson is not what were you doing going to Timnath? We already addressed that in a previous sermon that it was wrong to seek a wife from the daughters of the Philistines. The question for Samson tonight is what were you doing in the vineyards? Because that's where we find him. Then went Samson down to his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And evidently, he came there alone. 
For at the end of verse 6, we will read, but he told not his father and his mother what he had done so that it's clear that by this point in the history, he's no longer with his parents. He's turned aside from the road that he was on. That's also evident from verse 8 that we'll consider next time. And after time, he returned to take her and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, indicating that there was a road, a path going down to Timnath And that Samson had turned off of that road. He had let his parents continue on. And Samson is now in the vineyards. Which is no place for a Nazarite. Because remember, a Nazarite was one who was devoted, consecrated unto God. And as a symbol of his devotion to God, he would abstain from certain things. No strong drink. No razor coming upon his head. And no touching a dead corpse. But what's noteworthy is with regard to that first aspect of his vow as a Nazarite, no strong drink, that also included not eating the ingredients for strong drink. That comes out in Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, verse 3, we read this, and he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink and shall drink no vinegar or wine or vinegar of strong drink. Neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes. And now this, nor eat moist grapes or dried. Not just don't drink strong drink, but don't even eat the ingredients for such strong drink. No moist grapes. And now Samson is in a vineyard. Completely surrounded by that which was forbidden. He's opening himself up to temptation. And this was folly on his part. So that from a certain point of view, it's really not that surprising at all that a lion meets him in the way. Because is that not how it goes spiritually? When we depart from that path that we know is right and start walking down the path of temptation, when we allow ourselves to be surrounded by that which is forbidden, when we willfully expose ourselves to temptation, it's then especially that we can expect to meet that roaring lion, the devil. Certainly, he's always interested in attacking us and leading us astray so that even if we are on the, the right path, he's going to try to bring us off that path. But it's when we've allowed ourselves to walk down that path of temptation, when we've surrounded ourselves by that which is forbidden, that the devil, that we are all the more susceptible to the devil and to his attacks. So is that the path you are on tonight, child of God? We pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. But then do we walk down the path of temptation? When we do, when we are careless, when we willfully expose ourselves to 
temptations, we become all the more susceptible to the attacks of the devil who meets us in the vineyards, as it were, in order to destroy us. And that's how it went for Samson. It was there in the vineyards that he was met by a lion. Verse 5 tells us, and he came to the vineyards of Timnath, and behold, a young lion roared against him. The passage speaks of a young lion, and we are not to picture a adolescent, but a male lion that has just reached its prime, one that's fully grown, capable of defending itself and obtaining food for itself. Literally, the passage speaks of a lion of lions. And it says that this lion roared against him. This lion befell him. It sought to make a meal out of Samson. And one can only imagine what that must have been like. This is not a trivial opponent. But this is what we call the the king of the beasts. This is an animal capable of slaying prey that is much bigger than itself. And indeed, there are a number of biblical examples of people dying when they encounter a lion. You can think, for example, of that prophet who was sent to Jeroboam to warn him against his idolatry. And then on his way back to Judah, on account of his disobedience, was met by a lion. And that lion slayed him. And that's what most would expect to happen in meeting a lion of lions in the vineyards. That's not what happened for Samson. Rather than this encounter ending in his own death, this encounter ended in the death of the lion. For verse 6 says, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. It speaks of the Spirit of the Lord coming mightily upon him. That's a a fairly good check. Translation that captures the the force of the original. Literally, the idea is that the Spirit rushed upon him. The Spirit worked irresistibly in him, took sudden possession of him, and specifically gave to Samson a miraculous strength that he would not have had otherwise. He empowered Samson to do what he would be unable to do of himself. He gave to him strength. Such strength that he could kill this lion. We read that he rent him. And the idea there is that he tore the lion in two. So that the picture that's often portrayed of Samson grabbing the the mouth of the lion and breaking its jaw may well be accurate. He rent the lion in two. He tore it apart. And what's noteworthy is that he did this with an apparent ease. The passage says that 
He rent him as he would have rent a kid like a baby goat. We would say he, he tore him in two like you would tear a piece of paper apart. And he did this without any sort of weapon. The passage tells us, and he had nothing in his hand. He had no sword. He had no spear. He did not have even a knife or a club. He slew this lion barehanded. So that what we have here is the very first display of Samson's great strength. And this is what makes him unique as a judge. This is that prominent feature that even the youngest children here recognize in Samson. He was a mighty man. And we see that here in the fact that he dispatched this line without any apparent difficulty. So that it was not the case that he, he barely survived the attack. He's, he's scathed. He's wounded. But in the end, he survives. But he walks away triumphant having torn the lion in two. And this is only the first display of this. We're going to see this strength. We're going to see this might all throughout our series on Samson. We're going to see it when we come to the end of this chapter. When he slays the 30 Philistines down in Ashkelon. We will see it when he catches the 300 foxes, releasing them with burning tails. We'll see it when he smites the Philistines of Timnath on account of what they did to his wife. We'll see it when he breaks cords apart that, with which he had been bound. And then picks up a, the jawbone of a donkey and slays a thousand men. And then we'll see the same thing when he uproots the gates of a city and carries them to the top of a hill. And we'll see it especially in his death when he pulls down a huge temple by dislodging the two middle pillars. What runs through all of those heroic deeds is Samson's great strength. But now even as we emphasize his strength, we must make clear this was not a natural strength. But it was given to him by the Spirit. It was not a natural strength. Which means that Samson was not necessarily the type of man that you would look at and think that man must be the strongest man in the world. Most likely, Samson was not this massive dude with bulging muscles that anyone would be intimidated by. He's no Goliath. As Scriptures speak of later, one of the Philistines coming against God's people. But what is more likely the case is that he was an ordinary man. And now we do not need to go to the opposite extreme and say he was puny, a weakling. Probably he was fit. Probably he was in shape. But the key is we must not picture him as a Goliath of a man because if we picture him that way, what we're going to be, do is be tempted to think it's his own strength. It's this natural strength. It's because he's worked out so much that he has the power to do the things that he does. And that's not what Scripture tells us. Instead, 
What Scripture makes clear is that it's the Spirit giving him this strength. That's what we see here in the very wording of the passage, verse 6, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. It's the Spirit giving him the strength to rend the lion. Same thing at the end of the chapter. Verse 19, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he went down to Ashkelon and slew 30 men of them. Same thing in chapter 15, verse 14. And when he came unto Lahai, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. The cords that were upon his arms became his flax that was burnt with fire and his bands loose from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. His strength is from God. His strength is given to him by the Spirit. And it's when we understand that that we will have no difficulty believing that He actually did all these mighty deeds. Because unbelieving scholars look at these things and they analyze them and say, well, He could have killed a lion because there's, there's accounts of individuals killing lions. So we'll believe that. But there's no way He can uproot the gates of a city and carry them many miles away to the top of the hill. That's impossible. And we would say, yes, that is impossible if he's operating in his own strength under his own power. But that's not what Scripture tells us. What Scripture tells us is that the Spirit gave him this supernatural strength. And thus, there was nothing that would be impossible for him because there is nothing that's too hard for the Lord. And Samson himself needed to see this so as to be encouraged in his work. You see, God has a purpose in this encounter. God has a purpose to grow this judge and to give him the confidence that he needs to do his God-appointed work. Because you will remember that before Samson was ever born, God had determined that this Samson would be used to deliver God's people from the hand of the Philistines. And now what God is doing here is showing to Samson the strength, the might, the power with which He will endow him in order to carry out that work. God is encouraging Samson in His work. So that if there was any... Gideon-like hesitancy in Samson. This would dispel it. What God is saying to Samson in this encounter with the lion is this. Samson, I will give you this sort of strength to fight the Philistines. Samson, just as I have empowered you to rend this lion, so I will empower you to tear asunder the Philistines. God is encouraging him. This is not the only time that we see God doing this with one of His servants. God did this with David. We see something very similar in him, for example, in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And there the connection between his slaying of a lion and his 
courage to fight are, is made explicit. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 32 and following. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, that is, because of Goliath. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. There's a, a courage in David. He's, he's willing to go stand against Goliath. Saul's not so sure. Verse 33, And Saul said, unto, said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. To which David says in verse 34, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth when he arose against me. I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. David could think back on his encounter with a lion and how God delivered David from that foe. And now David applies that to the battle against Goliath. Verse 36, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the enemies of the living God. God used an encounter with the lion to give David the courage, the confidence to do his work. And no doubt, that's what God is doing here with Samson. Making clear to him the strength, the might with which he would empower him to do his work as judge. Samson, by the power of the Spirit, was a mighty man. But as strong as but as strong and mighty as Samson was, he pales in comparison to the greater than Samson, Jesus Christ. who has delivered us from our enemies. Yes, Samson is mighty, but Jesus Christ is the mighty one. And that's the clear testimony of sacred Scripture. We see this, for example, in Psalm 45, verse 3. We sang a versification of this earlier. Now we see the psalm itself. Psalm 45, verse 3. The psalm itself is talking about Jesus Christ as our King, as our Bridegroom. So that when it says what it does in verse 2, it's clearly prophetic of Christ. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore, God hath blessed thee forever. But now notice what it says about him in verse 3. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty. There's a name for Jesus Christ. A name that we perhaps forget about. O most mighty. So he's not just the mighty one, but the most mighty. He has no equal, no rival when it comes to strength. The same truth is taught for us in Psalm 24, verses 7 and 8. Another psalm prophetic of Jesus Christ, specifically prophetic of His ascension into heaven. In Psalm 24, verse 7, we read this, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. It's talking about Christ's ascension. But now notice the description of this King of glory in verse 8. Who is this King of glory? 
the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. It emphasizes Christ's great strength, specifically His strength in doing battle against our enemies. Another similar prophecy would be Isaiah 63, verse 1. Isaiah 63, verse 1, where we read, Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I speak in righteousness, mighty to save. This passage is talking about one who's coming back from the battlefield and he was so successful that his, his garments are stained in the blood of the enemies. Prophetic of Christ's return at the end of the world when He will destroy all of His enemies and put them down fully and completely. But again, what this emphasizes is His might. Isaiah 63 verse 1 speaks of the one traveling in the greatness of His strength. And it says that He's mighty to save. So yes, Samson is mighty, but he is but a a dim reflection, just a a type that points us to the one who's far greater to our Savior, Jesus Christ, the most mighty. And now like Samson, Jesus Christ has this strength in part due to the work of the Spirit. This is something that we have spent time on already in our series, so we will be brief here, but we've noticed how Christ was given the Spirit. As John 3, verse 34 puts it, He was given the Spirit without measure, and it was by the power of the Spirit, through the strength that the Spirit gave to Him, that Jesus Christ went about preaching, performing miracles, and all of His other works. So in that respect, He's like Samson. Empowered by the Spirit. But though he's like Samson, he's different. Because unlike Samson, he does have this strength in himself. He has this strength on account of his own divine, his own omnipotent power that belongs to his divine nature. Because who is Jesus Christ? Well, what does Isaiah 9, verse 6 tell us about Him? He is the mighty God. He is the second person of the Trinity. Come down into this world who's clothed Himself with our humanity so that united to His humanity is His divine nature. And on account of that divine nature, He has divine omnipotence so that even as Jesus Christ was lying there in a manger wrapped with swaddling clothes in Bethlehem at the very same time He is the mighty God. The One who has all strength. The One who has all power. So it's both because He's given the Spirit without measure and also because of His own divine nature that Jesus Christ is the most mighty. And with that might, He has triumphed over the roaring lion, the devil. 
The parallel continues beyond the the mere might itself, but what is accomplished in and through that might. By the might given to Samson, he rent that line that met him in the vineyards. And so too, Jesus Christ with His strength has triumphed over that roaring lion, the devil. And that He would do this was the first word ever spoken about Him. The very first revelation of God's Son was that He would accomplish this great work. Genesis 3, verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. You devil! Let me tell you right away that there's coming a seed of the woman who shall bruise, who shall crush your head. And that our God spoke this in the hearing of Adam and Eve so that the very first revelation of our Savior Jesus Christ is that He would come to crush the head of that serpent, the devil. And He was indeed victorious over him. And like Samson, he had a victory very early on in his ministry. For early on in his ministry, that roaring lion, the devil, met Jesus not in a vineyard, but in the wilderness. And that roaring lion, the devil, came upon Jesus Christ with all of his strength, with all of his might, with all of his most carefully planned traps in order to bring Jesus to the ground. Bow down and worship Me. But Jesus Christ withstood Him. Not because He had a sword. Not because He was holding a spear. He had nothing in His hands. But by the Word. It is written. He resisted the devil and then caused him to flee when he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus Christ won the victory. But that was merely the initial victory. He's also accomplished the decisive victory. And that's clear from Colossians 2, verse 15, where we read of Christ and having spoiled principalities and powers, He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. It speaks of principalities and powers. It's talking about all of the fallen angels. The devil and all of his demons. And it tells us that Jesus Christ spoiled them. That is, He completely disarmed them. It tells us that He made a show of them openly. He exposed them as weak He disgraced them. And it tells us He triumphed over them. He won the victory. How? Through His death. And that's Hebrews 2, verse 14. Yet another passage that speaks of Christ's work to triumph over the devil. Hebrews 2, verse 14. For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, He also Himself likewise took part of the same, 
that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Notice this passage reaffirms everything we've just said, that Jesus Christ has triumphed over the devil. It says that Jesus Christ destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Now, when it speaks of him destroying the devil, it does not mean he destroyed his being because the devil still exists, but he destroyed his power. So that the, so that the devil has but a limited power remaining. A power so weak, so insufficient, that there is no way he can truly endanger the kingdom of heaven. And what is more, The devil was destroyed through Christ's death because the devil is now reserved unto everlasting and final destruction. That's what awaits him at the end of all things when Christ comes again. But again, the question is, how did Christ perform this? How did He strike this blow? Hebrews 2.14 says, that through death, He, Christ, might destroy him, the devil, Not with a sword. Not with a spear. For there was nothing in his hands except the nails that had pierced him. Through death, Jesus Christ destroyed the devil for through death he conquered sin. as well as death itself. Through His death, He won for us the forgiveness of sins and everlasting righteousness so that the devil has no power. Unless it's for good reason that we confess what we do regarding our only comfort in life and death that Jesus Christ hath delivered me from all the power of the devil. Our mighty Savior has triumphed over that roaring lion. And the good news of the Gospel is that He gives us the strength to likewise withstand Him. That is, there's strength for us who are Samson's. Yes, Samson is a type of Jesus Christ and we must see our Savior revealed to us in this history, but Samson is also an example of the believing child of God. So that there's encouragement for us knowing that the, even as the Spirit came mightily upon Samson and gave him strength, so the Spirit comes mightily upon us and gives us strength. The difference being that we receive that Spirit directly from Jesus Christ. For as part of the due reward for His obedience, the Son, when He entered into heaven, was given the Spirit as His own. And from His throne in heaven, Jesus Christ has sent His Spirit. He has poured out His Spirit upon His church. So that we have the Spirit of Christ Himself and thus there is strength for us. So that even as the Spirit of the Lord empowered, strengthened Samson, 
to rend the line that met him in the vineyard, so he will strengthen us to resist the devil so that he flees from us. Do you believe that, child of God? It can be hard to believe at certain times in our lives. Because we know how strong the devil is. And insofar as we have doubt this evening that this same strength could be given to us, well, what that shows is that we are really no different than Samson's fellow Israelites. Because remember, they have not yet cried out for deliverance. They have not been asking God to raise up a judge in order to deliver them from the oppression of the Philistines. And we've seen part of the explanation for that already in this series that Well, they're worshiping the Philistine gods. They're going after the same idols as the heathen around them. And why then would they cry out for deliverance when they're perfectly content to worship the same gods as the Philistines? And no doubt that's part of the reason, if not the main part of the reason, why they have not cried out for deliverance. But I wonder if this was part of it too. Had they lost faith in God's power to deliver? Had they concluded the enemy is too strong? It's been this way for too long. It's hopeless. I have no doubt that was a part of it. And perhaps that's where you are at tonight, child of God, with your own struggle with sin. Feel as though the devil already has you in his clutches. He's pinned you to the ground. And you've lost all hope of deliverance. Well, the good news of the Gospel is that our Savior Jesus Christ is not only the greater than Samson who Himself defeated the lion, but our Savior Jesus Christ is also the greater than David. The one who comes to rescue His sheep from the mouth of the lion so that when we are ensnared, so that when the devil does have his grip upon us, there is one who's able to rescue us, our Savior Jesus Christ. So cry out to Him. For He is strong to save, mighty to deliver. 
And He will not only deliver you from the clutches of the devil, He will also give you strength by the power of His Spirit to likewise resist the devil. To say no to his temptations. To refuse to believe his lies. Yes, in and of ourselves we're powerless. But by the power of his might, there is strength, child of God, to resist the devil so that he flees from us. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, we thank Thee for our Savior Jesus Christ. The One who is the most mighty. The One who is strong to save. Powerful to deliver. And we rejoice in His victory over that roaring lion, the devil. So that Him who had the power of death, that is, the devil has been destroyed through the death of Jesus Christ. And we pray that Thou wilt empower us by Thy Spirit. Give us that strength that we do not have in and of ourselves to likewise withstand that roaring lion, the devil, as he seeks to overthrow us. Hear this prayer for Christ's sake. Amen.